right, all right. Everyone! Time for the Get to the Point Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Get to the Point Review podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Kelly McKinney of Hohenheim Productions. And I am Josh Gibson of Fourth Wall Players. And this time, we are talking about The New Mutants, which came out in August. And that, mm. honestly, I didn't even realize had come out in August. Um, when I think I was, they released it straight to streaming. It, right, which is right. why I didn't realize it. Yeah. Part, part of why I didn't realize it. Also, it for whatever reason... Other than when the trailer first came out, I didn't see it heavily marketed. Right. So there's a a reason. Oh, there's a reason. (laughs) And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and, since New Mutants is our first topic uh, being a generally new new movie for Mm -hmm. 2020, we give our get to the point review on the new movie. So Josh, go ahead and let's 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 hear uh, let's let's hear your yours first. All right. So. Um, this is still fresh on my mind. I just got done watching the movie, sadly. Uh, so this is my review, all right? Just some bullet points here. Accents do not an interesting character make. Uh, failed blending of non-scary horror with non-exciting action. The director, I guess, wanted to prove that crappy movies with big names still make money. <laughs> right. Uh, and I have confused accent play in a teen horror version of Glass with the trademark... Marvel CGI battle at the end. Genuinely fun movie with a cheesy ending. And I must have just been so convinced. I, I was so ready to like it. And I, it was... I, and I don't anymore. It was just... I felt like I'll, it's it's an hour and a half. I'll never get back. And it's so sad that I spent that time with three reason. hours for you now. Yeah, now it's <laughs> three hours. It I watched it twice. Uh, that I'll, I'll never get those back, even though they were spent... Partially with Maisie Williams. I still right. never get those back. Mm-hmm. And as part of uh, the sort of segment here, we also do a get-to-the-point review over a review. And this a time review. we chose New York Times' Amy Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And Josh, what did you have to say? Um, I read the review and I enjoyed the review by Amy. Thank you. Um, my review of it is she was on point with the digs at the confusing clash of teenage angst and philosophy lectures. That's it. Yeah, and mine's, you know, I, I did enjoy reading this review because it, as so many reviews want to, or critics want to take just as many digs at the movie as they can to mm-hmm. sound, um, you know, controversial or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but this was this was a pretty dead-on review. She right. went through the movie. So what I have here is pithy one-liners lay out the groundwork for an excellent episode of Screen Rant's Pitch Meetings with Ryan George. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it, um, it, it... I will say that I learned something in her review that the the character who catches on fire, I don't even remember his name, it's how forgettable this movie is, that he was Brazilian? Yeah, That right, which... Which to me is like, you went <laughs> like, above and beyond to do the research to figure out that he was Brazilian because I completely missed that in the movie and I've seen it twice. Yeah, I did not get that at all. Um, no. Especially since they put such a big emphasis on a lot of the other child actors using accents to show you like where they're from because they wanted to be like, oh, well, they're not all American. And even the American one has like a very, very pronounced Kentucky twang. Um, yeah. So it was just weird that they, they slipped the Brazilian in there, and it was just like a guy speaking, like, sounding like he was Amer- like from L.A., you know? 
Yeah, it, it's very yeah. Like for me, it was a confusing attempt of being diverse with the character selection. Yeah, that failed horribly. Um, right. Just because not only were some of the characters, I mean, don't get me wrong, the 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 acting was good, the accents were off, the, the character development. You can't blame an actors for no, an awful script. No, what right? those were, that was not. None of that was the actors' fault. Watching what I watched, it was just poorly edited together. You could tell it went through a lot of rewrites. You could tell we they'd been working on it for three years. Yeah, <laughs> and you know. um, yeah, um, sure. yeah it's just. Uh, so I, I I I wanted so bad to like it I really did, uh, and so also now uh, sort of the meat of the episode here is going to be us doing our get to the point review on season one of The Walking Dead and in sort of commemoration of The Walking Dead ending at season eleven eleven mm-hmm. yeah with eleven seasons we're going to kind of go through each season. Uh, one at a time, and give our individual get-to-the-point review on the episodes as we work through each season. So for season one, it starts with episode Days Gone By. Oh, you Josh. know the episode names. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. All right, so for this one, I wrote, uh, this ep- this this opening episode really put, pulls the viewer into the story. Uh, you find yourself constantly on edge as you discover the world alongside Rick. Um, sound and makeup were on point, like, the whole time. I was just impressed. And for me, for days gone by, uh, it's... So, I have to say, first, before I get into my get-to-the-point reviews, <laughs> I am a huge fan <laughs> of the show. Yeah, yeah. So, I tried to view this as someone who's not a fan of the show, and as objectively as possible. Right, that's what I was... Yeah, I was trying so, to do that, too. So, seeing it for the first time, what I said was... Setting the precedent that we shoot kids on this show, we're ushered into a world that says, Welcome to Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so, moving right on, episode two, Guts. Me again? Yeah. I thought we switched back and forth. Okay. So this one, um, big drop-off in the acting and and the tension of the story. Uh, They still utilized a little bit of creativity... Um, when they were escaping the walkers uh, in Atlanta, um, I just want Morgan back. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want Morgan back. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, for me, I have Super Zombies loot a department store, Andrea annoys, and The Walking Dead gets racist. Yeah, it has guts. Yeah. Uh, and now it's interesting. The Walking Dead gets racist. I can't remember. Oh, Merle. oh Merle. Merle. Gosh, I was like, wait, what part was he? Was it racist? Oh, yeah. The Walking Michael Dead gets Rooker. racist. Yeah. <laughs> I love him as, as an actor. Oh, like, yeah. He, he made well, me love even... the Daryl character. I mean, uh, the Merle character even, even though he's hated. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, naturally you're supposed to love him later because he well, has that, his redemption arc. Right, yeah. He, but, he does, like, redeem himself. And I feel like... There's a there is a fine line between characters that you don't like, um, because they're just played rather poorly or they're like boring. Um, <laughs> I feel like Andrea is more of a writing thing, but that's, that's not oh, the point. Oh yeah, yeah, no. But so. but yeah, you're right. She she is really one of those. She just does annoying things. That's why you don't like her. Right. And then there's there's characters who are supposed to be disliked, like Merle or the governor, or even Shane a lot in uh, season two. I feel like. Um, those actors really hit those on the head. Right. So. Episode three was Tell It to the Frogs. Yeah. All right. 
so for this one, I say uh, I said um, slower episode, uh, but was needed to establish the character relationships. Feels like a competition between the men who can be the biggest asshole. However, we finally get to see Daryl. <laughs> okay, and for number three, I said. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be a zombie show with, like, guards, no one guards. He fights his family. Uh, that was, that's basically <laughs> me crying. I've seen season one. Yeah. Probably ten times, mm-hmm. okay? And every single time I hit to this episode, I cry like a little girl. When Rick gets to his family? When Rick gets to his family. Huh. It's that, like, the shock on their, it's just... As awful of an actor as Chandler Riggs is in this series, I'm sorry, Chandler. I mean, you you, you left for a reason, you know. Um, uh, you, you know what the critics say. That was spot on. Like, yeah. That part, that moment right well, there. And he, yeah. Rick's surprise. I mean, you, we already know that Andrew Lincoln is amazing. Carl's, right? Carl's another example of the poor writing and or acting that made his character disliked. Because I feel like it's because he was a kid the writers felt like they could get away with having him have giant at like personality changes, um, which he does. And it like yeah. changes from episode to episode. And right. it's so, it's really off putting. And I never really did get into Carl overall. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> uh, so episode four is Vatos. Okay. <clears throat> Put it on the board. First significant death. Rip Amy. Enjoyed seeing the nursing home group. Is Jim psychic? <laughs> it is very interesting. I feel like that the episode's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, for me, I put, that's racist. Ding. And then for the episode, because it's so all over the place, I wrote a poem. <clears throat> Pretty girls fish, as many as you wish. Time to dig holes, we like to set goals. Searching after Merle is enough to make you hurl. Vato's got the glen. Abuela is the big hen. Mm. Walkers attack the camp. The heat will make you damp. Mm. And that's it. That's that's what I. It is interesting. You and I both pointed out the whole Jim digging holes thing, though, because that was like one of those things that. Again, I was looking at this as if I was watching these for the first time, Mm -hmm. and as a first-time viewer, you would see something like that and be like, "Oh, okay." So he's like predicting, because especially at the end, it's like, right. oh, he's predicting they're going to get attacked. Right, because he says, I remember why I yeah. dug those holes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, so this is going to be a story. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Episode five is Wildfire. Okay. Um, the first half does a great job analyzing how certain deaths affect the group. Uh, the second half jumps the shark with Rick's John Lockean faith in the CDC being the answer. Yeah, and for me, I had, meh, it's a vessel. Yeah. That's what I had about this episode. Right. And, and that's primary, I guess, you know, for me, even looking at the series objectively comes from the standpoint of I've seen this yeah. done in zombie films so right. many times. Right, 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 right. Debating on who kills who and whether or not we kill people who are infected and how to deal with death after the civilization is gone. I've just seen it so many times. It was kind of a relief to pick up the story in that heightened tension at the end with the CDC. So that's why I say, meh, it's a vessel for right. the final episode of the se- the season. Episode six is TS-19. And Josh? Um, I wrote uh, a lot of nothing here but Shane being rapey. Uh, then the writers literally blow up the plot. 
<laughs> bye bye Atlanta. And I put a brilliant end to a wonderful first season, making us feel a full range of emotions. Also, no means no shame. <laughs> so we both commented on rape. So, okay, so so then you didn't like episode six so much. It was um, kind of unfeeling for you? I guess I liked it, but looking at it from, like, I look at things... I, I'm a me personally. I'm a very character-driven sort of person, so I do like episodes. Um, you know, like for instance, I really like the episode in season three where Rick and the governor are kind of just like sitting in that the the, the basically bar. the discussion. Yeah, the yeah. little discussion they have at the table because I like you know I like that sort of I like watching and analyzing that sort of acting. But looking at it from the standpoint of like what actually happens in this episode, not a lot. It was just a lot of people talking, ironically. So like from that from that perspective, again, obviously, other than Shane being rapey and then blowing up the thing at the end, right? That was all really well done, and I thought it was a great ending. Um, to at the time when they originally made it, I had assumed it was just supposed to be a mini series. So I thought that was a great ending to that mini series. Right. It's basically kind of saying, um, you know. It's hopeless, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, but 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 you but you need to go on and try for as long as you can. Yeah. Like, I I kind of like that 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 theme. Mm -hmm. Um. So, me personally, no, I did not dislike. I I don't think I disliked any episode in the first season. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, No. No. I didn't dislike it, but it just it sounded like the your get to the point review was less like ah like um it's okay and then they blow it up and it's cool and see for me the. It bothered me that there was the manufactured tension of whether or not to let the survivors yeah, that he yeah. just in go out. Yeah. What does it matter to you? Yeah, that bothered me a lot more this time watching than it did in my original yeah. time through. Um, he, he could literally have the doors open he had and no, walkers he had no, could storm inside and it would still explode the same way it did. I also didn't like how Dale uh, moved Helen High Water to convince Andrea not to stay back, but no one gave a shit that Jackie was staying they're just like... <laughs> yeah, T-Dog's the only one who tries to talk her out of it. Um, and it's only, like, really quick. It's, it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, because there's... I mean, honestly, there's not time, right? Right, for them yeah. To discuss it. Yeah, well, yeah. Which, ironically, there's not time, but there's time for Dale to sit. Yeah. Yeah, everyone else has to run out, <laughs> yeah. but they can still get out just in time. It's yeah. kind of like a plot armor. But at the same time, uh, I guess I, I've known people like Dale in real life so much oh, I, that it was like I knew Dale was going to do that. Right. I, thought, I knew no, Dale was going to do and that. I, and it was an excellent bluff. Dale's one of my favorite characters in that first season and a half. It's not really until he gets way up Shane's ass there towards the end that I'm like, okay, Dale, like, let's pull it back a little bit. See, well, and, and see, I liked the, the, the friction between Shane and Dale because... I did for the most part. Because we already, like, because we already knew that there was only one way for that to go down. Dale, right. For if Shane kills Dale, Dale uh, Shane has to pass it off that it was an accident, right? Or hide that it ever happened, right? right? One of the two, and of course that just builds audience tension where we like, I hate Shane, mm-hmm. or you've got you know America's assholes that would be like, yeah, Shane, fuck that guy, yeah, um, like yeah, like and Shane, like, let's be honest, like Shane is an asshole, and he's he's supposed to be, and and I I recognize that, and I recognize he's antagonistic. Or at the very least, aggressive towards the rest of the group. Um, I do feel like a lot of season, a lot of the end of season two would not have happened had not everybody in the group, both groups, teamed up on and continuously poked at Shane 
You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, like, it's like poking the bear. This dude obviously has very little control over his emotions and is prone to angry outburst, yet everybody wanted to take jabs at him, like, right. the entire season. Yeah, everyone wanted to test that. Yeah. They wanted and, to get testy with and him. And so, yeah, no, I'm not surprised that this dude went off the deep end. Um, it, I, I, like I said, that, that that's part of what makes sense, though, with his character, and it, like, goes back to my point earlier about the difference between just, like, a poorly written character and an actor that does such a good job. That yeah. even though you hate the character, you enjoy the performance. Right, which Shane Bernthal does. I mean, which John, John Bernthal just does beautifully. Shane Bernthal is his Shane, name. It's, it's, fuck it, you Shane Bernthal. Shane Punisher is Shane his, the is Punisher his name. Bernthal <laughs> is uh, very obviously. <laughs> All right, and so that is that is season one. The next part of our podcast is our point of the review, uh, get to the point review on celebrity tweets. And we figure that uh, for season one, Andrew Lincoln is probably a good start, right? Yeah. Um, and so let's take a look Carl. at Carl. We also have uh, a shout-out to um, two other, basically, uh, Twitter profiles that we'll need to give for sure. Is and, Andrew Lincoln even on Twitter? And it looks like Andrew Lincoln may not be on here, but we've got Andrew Lincoln news. Why is he wearing a, look, a big hat like that? Uh, the pinned tweet here. Exclusive first look at Andrew Lincoln as Cameron Bloom in Penguin Bloom movie in wow. Australian cinemas. Okay, interesting. I have no idea what that is. Who the hell is Penguin Bloom? That's your get to the point review. Yeah. Podcast. Okay, yeah. My get to the point review on this is Andrew Lincoln becomes a penguin? Question mark, question mark. Yeah. Um, but also, when we first shared episode one of the podcast, we had um, two likes on it. One was from an um. I'm not Chris Hemsworth, which we found out is at Inch Movie uh, on Twitter. I'm not Chris, Chris Hemsworth is basically a uh, crowdfunding campaign for a mm-hmm. movie about a uh, overweight gay man who wakes up in a alternate reality where everyone mistakes him for Chris Hemsworth. And the <laughs> the h- most hilarious thing about this to me was that the guy that is doing it yeah actually looks like chris hemsworth but i mean (laughs) of course naturally i mean just in the face just in the face but it's like if if you if you deep faked yeah you wouldn't have been it wouldn't you wouldn't tell the difference right right. you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference so huge shout out to i'm not chris hemsworth looks like a great movie we're going to be uh making sure to keep regular updates on that that was really awesome and we also had um the language of bromance is a uh 2014 improv stories from history and news by two guys who obviously are in a bromance Mm. with one another, which uh, I thought was really cool and reminded me very much of how this podcast basically came about. Yeah. We've had a a bromance since like seventh grade. That's been, you know, budding and blossoming into a lot of things. And it's what came out into this. Will they, won't they sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Will they, won't they. That's right. We're like the Ross and Rachel of romances. (laughs) Ross and Rachel of bromances. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, buddy. Um, Yeah. And so language of bromance. When I listen, I listen to a couple other episodes. Very good podcast. Very funny. Um, And it reminds me very much of the sort of Mm. comedy and atmosphere that we ourselves are trying to put. Looks like they have new episodes every Sunday. So make sure to check them out. That's right. In closing on uh, today's podcast, we'd like to remind you to go and check out our Patreon for all the behind the scenes updates. Mm-hmm. 
on everything we do here at Hohenheim Productions, as well as the Gamer Minute Scholar stream team. And to go check out The Here and Now on Amazon Prime. Yes. Get to the point.